Come, Holy Ghost, fill the hearts of thy faithful and enkindle in them the fire of thy love. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. We are now less than one week away from the second holiest day of the year, the great feast of Pentecost. It is the great feast of the divine sanctifier, the divine spouse of our soul, the Holy Ghost. The octave of Pentecost is celebrated with an octave of eight days of feasts of the first class, thus making Pentecost even more important than Christmas. Pentecost is the pivot of the rest of the liturgical year, as from that Sunday, all Sundays are called Sundays after Pentecost. Now, just as a loving, prudent, and wise father would prepare his family for his departure, so these past several weeks in the Gospels, our Lord disposes his apostles and disciples for his departure at Ascension Thursday, which we have just celebrated. Our Lord said, I will not leave you orphans. I go to the Father, and whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, that I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask me anything in my name, that I will do. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he shall give you another paraclete, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, nor knoweth him. But you shall know him, because he shall abide with you, and shall be in you. Now let us unpack these words of our Lord. Christ first tells them that he will send the Holy Ghost, who will abide in them forever if they keep his commandments. Forever. That is, not just for the apostles, but also all those who share in the faith of the apostles and who remain in the unity of the apostolic church. Christ says explicitly, the spirit of the truth whom the world cannot receive. In the Gospel of St. John, he uses the word world clearly to refer to those who do not believe in Christ as the Son of God, those who do not keep his ways and do not accept his teaching. Christ clearly states that we remain united to him by believing in him and by keeping his commandments by love. Thus, Two Sundays ago, we looked at Psalm 118 and the importance of keeping God's commandments, his teachings, and his ways. Furthering the importance of keeping his ways, Christ says in the following chapter of St. John, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same beareth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Christ clearly announces his coming passion to his apostles, but he also encourages them to confidence as he says, Be confident, I have overcome the world. As a woman gives joy in giving birth to a son, so Christ by his death, resurrection, and ascension will give birth in our souls to the gift of the Holy Ghost. It is this spirit that will convict the world of sin This paraclete will teach us all things and confirm the teaching of Christ, and that the Spirit, the divine person of love, he is the Father and Son's gift to make us more perfectly one 
in him. Pope Pius XII said that the Holy Ghost is the soul of the church. The Holy Ghost makes us more perfectly one with God because he instructs and teaches us in the faith and in the truth, and he enkindles in our hearts the love of God. Because the Holy Ghost is more about making us one with God, abiding in his truth and being inflamed with his love, it has long been the devil's tactic to disseminate heresy and falsehood, attacking the divine truth, and to disseminate false love so that the work of the Holy Ghost is frustrated. But so that we may have a more spiritually fruitful Pentecost next Sunday, let us look for a few moments at the greatest obstacles that prevent the Holy Ghost from working in our souls, and let us rid ourselves of these impediments. In the Divine Trinity, power is appropriated to the Father, wisdom is appropriated to the Son, and goodness and love is appropriated to the Holy Ghost. As the Holy Ghost wants to confirm us in the good and not sin, when we knowingly and willingly reject his aid to not sin, we commit what we call a sin against the Holy Ghost. St. Augustine and St. Thomas Aquinas teach us that there are six ways to reject the Holy Ghost's help to not sin, and thus six sins against the Holy Ghost. First, the Holy Ghost prevents us from sinning as we know that God in his judgment is merciful, that he wants us to be with him forever in heaven. However, hope in receiving God's mercy is destroyed by the sin of despair. Thus, despair is the first sin against the Holy Ghost, as one refuses to hope in God's mercy, as we hope to have pardon for our sins. Knowing of the mercy that awaits us, we can sin in this way by not going to confession because we are ashamed to tell the priest our sins, afraid of what he may think of us, all the while knowing that God is merciful and that the priest is bound by the seal of confession. This is the sin of Judas in refusing to ask for the goodness of God's mercy. Secondly, the Holy Ghost prevents us from sinning as we know that God's judgment will be just. Thus, there is instilled in us a healthy and godly fear of the fires of hell and punishments that await the sinner, and thus we hope to not suffer these punishments. However, this fear preventing sin is destroyed by presumption when a man thinks that he can obtain glory without merits or pardon without repentance. This is thinking one will be saved while refusing to do God what God has commanded, or by thinking one does not need God's help and can do it alone. Thirdly, the Holy Ghost helps us believe in the revealed truth of God. To be united to God, we must believe in Him and what He has revealed and left to His divinely instituted church, founded on St. Peter, which he said the gates of hell would not prevail against. However, when a man resists the truth of God so that he may more freely sin, this is called the sin of resisting the known truth. This was the sin of the Pharisees, who had seen Christ's miracles, had heard his teaching, and the teaching that was verified by these miracles, and yet they refused to believe. 
If we refuse to believe a single divine truth taught with solemnity by the Catholic Church, and we have studied the opinion, I'm sorry, we have studied the teaching of the Church, we have heard it explained clearly, and yet pretend to be unconvinced, we cannot be saved because then we resist the truth of God. Fourth, the Holy Ghost helps us with inward grace to rejoice in the goodness of God and building up the kingdom of God and saving souls. The Holy Ghost works by inward grace to bring souls to the oneness, goodness, and love of God. However, if we become envious of another spiritual good, seeing their spiritual good as a threat to us, seeing their good as bad to us and making us sad, then we commit the sin of envy of our brother's spiritual good. Rather than rejoicing in the good like the angels in heaven, we become like the devils by seeing our neighbor's good as bad to us. This is a sin against the Holy Ghost because it rejects the goodness of God in the soul of our brother. One sets themselves up in opposition to the goodness and grace of God by wishing someone's spiritual downfall which is a truly malicious sin, as he wishes our neighbor evil. Next, the Holy Ghost calls us to see the smallness of the apparent good of sin, to see its disorder and its shamefulness, so that we may repent. The Holy Ghost can act to prevent sin, helping us to not want to do something shameful, or the Holy Ghost can help us to repent, as we see the shameful that we have done and seek God's pardon. The Holy Ghost can act through a correction by a parent, a superior, or a friend, through an invitation to come to church or to pray. The Holy Ghost can act by hearing our conscience rebuke our conduct, by shame for what other people will think of us, or by not wanting to disappoint others. Maybe it's the Holy Ghost speaking through your rector as he announces the confession times or recommends that you prepare yourself spiritually for the upcoming Feast of Pentecost. These are all good ways that the Holy Ghost can incite us to repent as we see how good God is and how small is the apparent good of our sin. However, we sin against the grace of the Holy Ghost by hardening ourselves in sin and being obstinate in our sin and vice. By refusing to repent, by excusing or minimalizing our sin, by justifying our bad conduct, by refusing the Holy Ghost call to love God by following the commandments, by refusing the sacrament of confession, by refusing to study God's moral law, by refusing to pray for the grace of conversion, by delaying the good spiritual works that ought to be done today, we become more and more deaf to the good and merciful call of the Holy Ghost to repent. We can sin against the Holy Ghost, too, by refusing to continuously come to Mass and receive Holy Communion when we are not in the state of sin. If we are not in the state of sin and we continue to refuse our spiritual food, we starve our soul. If we have gone to confession recently, our soul will never be better disposed for the body of Christ than when it has been recently washed in the laver of the blood of Christ. If we are not in the state of grace, why do we refuse God's mercy when it is daily made available for us? 
Why do we refuse to remove ourselves from the near occasion of sin? What good does the devil have that God does not? When we refuse these calls of the Holy Ghost, we thus become enhardened in our vice, and the chance of repentance becomes less and less the more and more that we sin against him. We may not get that final chance of repentance on our deathbed. Though maybe our obstinacy was only obstinacy first in deliberate venial sin, by refusing the Holy Ghost, we then dispose ourselves willingly to mortal sin and damnation by this sin against the goodness of the Holy Ghost. Maybe we resist the Holy Ghost, and at first it's not a sin. Maybe we obstinately refuse the inspirations of the Holy Ghost and mute his voice in our soul, but however we deafen our spiritual ears. The last way the Holy Ghost helps us to avoid sin is the repeated call to conversion, especially as we pray for the grace of a happy and a holy death. The Holy Ghost may inspire us to meditate on the last judgment, calling us to repent and to die in the grace of God with the sacraments. The particular evil of this last sin against the Holy Ghost, which we call final impenitence, is its eternal consequence. This sin against the Holy Ghost, which we call final impenitence, in which we shamelessly refuse to, to be sorry for sin at the moment of death, cannot be forgiven by God because one dies in the state of mortal sin and there is no removing the stain of sin after death. We are not guaranteed that we will get this grace of conversion on our deathbed, for the norm is, as one lives, so one dies. If we are deafened, if we have deafened ourselves to the calls of the Holy Ghost, we may miss his final call. This is the sin of hardened heretics who refuse to recant their heresies and die blaspheming and cursing God. We can simplify these six sins, the sins of the Holy Ghost, as sins against faith in God, as just and a merciful judge who offers us continuously through his divine attribute of goodness, the graces to believe in his revealed truth, to hope in his mercy, and to love our neighbor in him, through him, with him, and because of him. In short, as we remain in Christ by believing in him and keeping his ways, the Holy Ghost helps us by confirming us in the good and repenting from our sin. In a positive light, the Holy Ghost helps prevent us from sin by helping us to hope in his mercy, by fearing his just punishment in hell, by helping us to see and believe his divinely revealed truths, by helping us to desire the spiritual good of our neighbor, by helping us to see the shame of our sin, and by calling us to repent and amend our ways. Now, on the other hand, we reject the Holy Ghost by despairing of our salvation, by presuming our salvation, by resisting the known truths of faith, by envying our, our neighbor's spiritual good, by being obstinate in sin, and by final impenitence at the moment of death. My dear faithful, in seven days, our Savior will send us the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of truth and the love of God, who is the divine spouse and helper of our soul. Like his apostles faithful to prayer during this novena, 
We, will we accept him and his inspirations with humility, docility, and faith? Or like the world, will we refuse the truth and love of God by sinning against the goodness of the Holy Ghost? Will we be humble enough to silence ourselves so that we can hear him speak softly in our heart? Will we have the humility and faith, believing in his justice and in his mercy, to make a worthy confession, ridding ourselves of all that is unbecoming to the divine spouse of our soul? We have everything to gain and everything to lose. Come, Holy Ghost, fill the hearts of thy faithful and enkindle in them the fire of thy love. This week, let us prepare ourselves worthily so that emptying ourselves of sin, the spirit of love and truth may find in us a worthy dwelling to make his eternal abode. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.